This is OTR-FM, part of the IOM Radio Network. Welcome to the No BS Spiritual Book Club's live streaming interview series, where leading new thought teachers, speakers, and authors share the intimate stories behind the 10 best spiritual books that inspired them the most on their spiritual journey. From well-known classics to hidden gems you might never have heard of, the No BS Spiritual Book Club saves you time and money by sharing reliable recommendations from those who've walked the path before you. The No BS Spiritual Book Club, the only No BS guide to the best spiritual books to inspire your own journey of self-discovery. Here's your host, founder of the No BS Spiritual Book Club, Sandy Sedgebeer. Hello and welcome and joining me today to share the stories behind the 10 books that influenced him the most on his life journey is former ABC radio and TV presenter and newsreader, qualified astrologer and intuitive counsellor Barry Eaton, who hosts the fabulous and highly popular internet radio programme and podcast Radio Out There. Barry has studied mediumship at the Arthur Findlay College in the UK, and he's a well-known writer who's scripted and narrated many documentary films, corporate presentations, and written numerous feature stories for magazines and newspapers on his areas of expertise in astrology, entertainment, travel, and spirituality. He also works as a media and presentation skills trainer, narrator, MC, and a keynote speaker. And Barry is the author of four books, including No Goodbyes, Life-Changing Insights from the Other Side, and his first book, which is a classic among spiritual readers across the world, Afterlife, Uncovering the Secrets of Life After Death. Barry Eaton, welcome. Wow, I'm impressed. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Who is that person? (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't realize about all that. Yeah, I did. Lovely to see you. Lovely to talk to you again. You too. And, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, that sometimes we have to hear someone else reading our bio to go, oh, yeah, I did that. I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just life to us. Yeah, well, some of it was a few years ago, but uh, well, it's a lifelong journey, isn't it, that yeah. we're all on. And you've had a fascinating one. I mean, you've met so many people through the years of emceeing some incredible conferences and events. Um, and I think you must have been one of the first people, uh, radio out there. You started that how many years ago? Well, I started on mainstream radio here in Sydney, Australia, back uh, about the turn of the century, really. Although, no, it was earlier than that. It was 1997. And then I switched radio stations and then... Things started to go a bit haywire technically. So uh, a friend of mine, uh, Duncan Rhodes, who's the editor and publisher of Nexus magazine, said, well, why don't you just put it on the internet? So I did. So 2003, the program went on the internet. And 18 years later, here we are. And you started a trend. Podcasts are going crazy now. Yeah, I'm glad I got in in the early stages, Sandy. Yeah, of course, yeah. you and I have known each other for a long time. You've been a guest on radio out there several times. I have. And, uh, thank you. Yeah, so it's, it's great. Yeah. For me to be able to be a guest on your program. <laughs> I know, I know. So um, let's talk about books. I mean, you're like yeah. me. You obviously have a massive, massive library. You could open oh, up a public oh, library if you wanted to. And yep. you read hundreds and hundreds of books. So tell me, how 
easy or how challenging was it for you to pick just 10? Oh, Sandy, I look, honestly, I had to try and think there's a bit of a story or it's influenced me or inspired me or something in some way uh, or changed my life or, or whatever because there are so many others. I mean, narrowing it down to 10 was not easy, I've got to say, but each one of those books has had an impact on my life. So, But it took a bit of thinking about. I'm sure. Well, some of them I hadn't read for ages and ages, so. Yeah, 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 and I think the whole thing is, I mean, some of those books that if we read them now, we'd say, eh, you know, been there, done that, but of course at the time they made such a big impact. Yeah, they do, and yet just before coming on the program, I um, went back and, and opened a few books that I hadn't opened for ages, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> because there's so much that you do when you're uh, doing a show and interviewing people all the time. So um, it's... You can only access so much information straight into the mind, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. I always say the minute the show is finished, the book disappears, it falls out of one ear, and the next yep. one comes in. Yeah. Yep, yeah. exactly, exactly. So books, obviously, I mean, you're passionate about books. You have a massive oh. library. I mean, that mm. started when you were very young, didn't it? It did. Oh, yes. I mean, as a young boy, I, I did all the Biggles books and the Enid Blyton books and anything. If ever somebody gave me a 10 shillings or whatever it was for my birthday or Christmas, I'd be rushing out to the nearest bookstore to buy something. So, uh, And that included comic books when I was very young as well. So reading has always been something that it's just part of life to me, it's an important part of life. Yeah. So yeah. at what point on your journey did you start waking up? You mean spiritually? Hmm. Uh, it happened in oh, the, the 80s. It started, 1980s. I was doing a, a, a talk back um, or show on, uh, on radio here in Australia, on commercial radio in Sydney. And um, I started to interview a couple of people. First of all, a guy, Mark Kroon, who was well known in the States at that stage as a numerology expert. And Mark came on the program. And in, when you're doing a callback, as you know, uh, you open the lines and bingo, away they go. Sometimes people don't ring in. As soon as Mark came on, even announcing him beforehand, the, the lines would just go berserk. So then that expanded out and Mark introduced me to an astrologer, so I had him on the program. And then a, a psychic contacted me, so I had her on the program. So I had regular guests as well as all my other guests as well. But each time I had one of those guests, the lights uh, on the switchboard just went bing, you know, and away they went. So it started to intrigue me, and I wanted to learn more and more. But then in 1990, I had uh, the classic transformation time. Um, astrologically, there are many planets involved. Domestically, it's just called divorce. So um, I, I did that. My life changed, and I told Gary Wiseman, who was the astrology guy on the program, I'm going to do your course next year. And he said, what? You're going to do what? I said, yeah. He said, where did that come from? I said, I don't know. I just decided to do study astrology next year. That was the turning point, Sandy. I studied astrology, uh, also then uh, involved tarot, and I learned. I, I, I uh, sort of changed my whole life there. And uh, I know in England you have the uh, Mind-Body-Spirit Festivals just as we have here. And I was walking through the Mind-Body-Spirit Festival where my teacher ran the whole psychic thing one day and he just said to me, oh, thank heavens you're here. Quick, I'm desperate. Come and do some readings for me. I said, what? What do you mean come and do some readings for you? I'm, I'm just walking around having a look. He said, no, 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 we need you. We need you. I said, I haven't got any cards. Here, here's mine. And I said, oh, well, what, what, what? 
sit, sit at that table. Next thing I know, there's somebody coming up, sitting down, looking at me expectantly to do a radio, uh, to do a, um, a reading for them. And I just finished reading the news for four hours on radio or five hours or whatever it was. I think, oh, my God. So fortunately, my guides came in there and helped me. And my, my first professional reading was actually at a Mind, Body, Spirit Festival. These days, you've got to audition to even get a spot on them. So I think the universe gave me a pretty clear message then, and, and it all unfolded from there. I love the metaphor that the lights went on figuratively and literally in your life. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Well, they'd gone on in studios, TV studios, and in a very different way, Sandy, as you know. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So let's talk about your books, and I know that you have an enormous interest in um, the unseen, the afterlife, um, and your very first book is Journey of Souls by Dr. Michael Newton. So tell us when you yeah. came across that and what kind of um, influence it had on you. Well, it had a life-changing influence, really, because uh, at that stage in the late 90s when I first uh, uh, discovered the book or the book discovered me, I had just been recovering. I was just recovering from the passing of my um, my partner, Judy, who... We'd only been together four years and we just knew that we had a huge soul connection and then unexpectedly she she passed away. And I was working with a medium. I was, I'd started my program at this stage uh, from Judy's place and uh, I had a, uh, and it was going out on commercial radio, but from the dining room, which believe, just as they would do these days. And um, the one of the guests was a medium and she came and helped me with, speech that I gave at the funeral and whatever. And then a few months later, she contacted me and said, oh, would you like to speak to Judy? And I said, well, yes, I'd love to, but she only passed a few months ago. She said, yep, well, she's here, ready to speak to you. Do you want to come in? So I did. And I made an appointment, went along, and, and when I got to her house, here she was standing at the front door, tip, 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 tap, 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 you know, where are you? I've got a whole room full of people waiting for you. I said, what? What do you mean a room full of people? So I went in looking around thinking, you know, who's going to be here? Was it an audience or something? The room, I couldn't see a soul. But, of course, the room was full of souls. They happened to be Judy. They happened to be many different people. And um, when I connected with Judy, after that, we were given permission, uh, long story short here, given permission to keep connecting. And that opened my medium skills from then on. I've been doing some automatic writing, but that really opened things up for me and my life really did a big, big transformation, transformation number two, really. So shortly after this, I'm, I'm recovering from the whole incident of, of Judy's passing. It was not an incident, was it? It was a catastrophic event in, in my life anyway. And the old classic thing happened. Book fell off the shelf. And it's this book here. Whoops, over there. Yeah, Journey of Souls. And Case Studies of Life Between Lives. Michael Newton, PhD. And I thought, well, oh, that looks interesting. Uh, at that stage, it was 1997, and shortly after he'd published it, over 100,000 copies sold, it says on my copy here, bought it in 97, okay? Now there's over a million copies sold. And when I went in there, it just explained so much to me, Sandy. It explained what happens uh, in the immediate aftermath of one's passing, the transition, and it just got me in, and, and I just knew that I was being spoken to from the other side, that, that spirit was really getting in touch with me and, and giving me the path because we've been given permission to connect. And, I mean, there are so many things that I hadn't even thought about. And as I was reading the book, 
again uh, just before a day or so before we we uh, going on air here. Uh, I, I flipped it open and, and like I haven't really read the book in years and years and years, and I opened it and it just flicked open at a page and I thought, well, that's interesting. And they were talking about the colours of souls in the afterlife. Now we don't think about the colour of souls, and I'd forgotten all about this until I actually opened the book again. And there are various stages we go through: the beginner stage, where the where the, the colour of the soul is or spirit is white, and then they go to the lower intermediate, that's off white, bit of reddish shades in maybe involved. Then level three is intermediate, yellow. And then after that, level four is upper intermediate, which is a sort of a dark yellow, like a gold color. And by the time you get to there, you're a junior guide. Then we go to advanced, which is light blue, a senior guide. And the master guides are level six, highly advanced, dark bluish purple, surrounded by radiant light. Now, I'd forgotten all about that since that time. Now, that's just ind indicative of so many things in this particular book. And it had such an influence on me, I really wanted to continue on because we'd started the program as a, just before Judy passed away. And uh, we were doing it live on Sunday morning radio, actually on commercial radio. And um, it, it just took me to the next stage. And that had a profound influence on my life. That's why I, the list I gave you was not necessarily in order of importance. It, it just was one of those that jumped into my mind straight away. So, but it does rank number one because it, it had such a life-changing effect on me. Mm -hmm. Well, unlike many guests, um, you actually stuck to the rules. Most people, if they've got, a, you know, some books, two books by an author or more books by an author, they try to sneak them in um, and, uh, and expand their list to about 15. But your second book, you didn't do that. You didn't put the second book in with the first. It is separate and it is Destiny of Souls by Dr. Michael Newton. Well, that's right, because that I, I got such a lot out of Journey of Souls. When Destiny of Souls came out um, in 2001, I saw it in the bookshop. And I thought, oh, I've got to have it. So I did. And when I opened it again, it's a brand new copy. I don't think I've opened it. Just I read it in about 2001. And once again here, I just flipped it open. And there was a chapter on the Council of Elders. And once it, it traces the journey that we go in afterlife, okay? And when we get over there, people sort of think, I'm going to go into judgment. There's going to be the wrath of God. This old man sitting on a chair is going to start chucking down thunderbolts at me or whatever. Uh, well, of course, that's all dismissed by, by Michael Newton, who, who did something like seven to 8,000 different uh, regressions with people and took them through into life between lives and whatever. And the Council of Elders... They're the ones who we go back and we have a chat. Now, the Council of Elders don't sort of sit there and, and in judgment and say, yes, well, I can see that in um, 1958 you did such and such. Guilty. You know, there's none of that nonsense. Um, you look back. It's like um, at the end of a, a football game or a cricket game or something where you're looking back at the replay of various events and you can then analyse it and realise and, and sometimes find that the hurt that you have given wittingly or unwittingly, uh, you can relive it and have that experience. And, and that struck home with me as well. Now, all of these things, and that's that's just one of the things in Destiny of Souls. So there, I'll put that up there on the screen as well. There. Okay, Destiny of Souls. That, that came out as the sequel to Journey of Souls. So once again, that, that was sort of like 
being a sequel, it was stage two of my my uh, Michael Newton education. And later on, many years later, I had a, a very big connection with Michael Newton, although not in person, but I'll tell you about that a bit later. Okay. Um, be before, we, before we go on to um, number three, I do have a question for you. You said something when you were talking about the first book that um, you and Judy were given permission to communicate. Why do you need mm. permission? Um. To to be to communicate as a as a medium, I was I was told that by um, by the medium that uh, that I've been working with, and she said, "Spirit has said you have you know it's okay." I, they're my words. They didn't say yes, you have permission. Here is your certificate, but they sort of said yes, it's okay, and and they gave me a little signal that I could tinkle this little bell suddenly, you know, and that was in 1998. <laughs> well, I've got way, way beyond that now. Um, so we weren't officially given permission, you know, it wasn't God's ah. blessing or something. It was the guides who were just telling us that. Okay. So number three is In Search of Lives Past by Peter Ramster. And you say this book yes. is now out of print, which will upset many people, I'm sure, once you've spoken it, about it. It will, because it is a wonderful book. Now, um, Peter, I, I met uh, when I was on commercial radio back in the, when would it have been, the late 70s, and he, there was a big column in a newspaper about doing past life regression. So I, I contacted him. He's a psychologist, and I went along uh, to do past life regression, and I, I sort of fell into this black pit, and I was terrified. I sort of pulled myself out of it and, no, 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 I'm not going to go there. But I stayed in touch with Peter, and after a while, we became quite good friends. And he uh, was noted at that stage for doing various uh, work as not only a past life therapist and a psychologist, of course, until the psychology uh, authorities clammed down on him. Um, he was also writing dreams, and he wrote a dream column for a Sunday newspaper here. His dreams are amazing. Anyway, we started to talk about past lives. And when then when I started doing... Um, my first radio out there is the the, the, the second title. It, uh, it was another title before that. Um, but Peter came onto the program a couple of times and was telling me various stories about his experiences, spiritual experiences. You know, when he was working in London about working as a, somebody, he'd knock on the door and he'd open the door and be nobody there and he'd go away and knock, knock, knock again and he'd snuck, pull the door open, nobody there. And then we started talking about past lives. And Peter, back in the 80s, had a film production company with his son. And they uh, made these programs called uh, The Reincarnation Experiment. And it was based on this book here, which, once again, In Search of Lives Past, which tragically is out of print. But if you can ever pick one up secondhand, please do. Anyway, the book was amazing because it was the forerunner of the TV series. And it really, I mean, I, I've always believed in past lives. I, I don't understand how anybody could think that we only come here once and that you get one opportunity. If you blow that, well, that's it, you know, or else at the end of a life, you just uh, turn off the lights, all fade to black and uh, it's all over. I mean, that just logically doesn't even, let alone spiritually, does not uh, equate with me. So, the various stories that Peter Ramster put out here in Search of Lives Past was 
incredible now you can go on to online and pick up some uh, various clips from the reincarnation experiment even though the book is not available and and peter talked to me about past lives and really intrigued me and when i read this i mean there was one lady that he used to regress called gwen and uh, gwen was just in as pete described her in this lifetime she was just an, an ordinary housewife but when he put her deep down into uh, hypnotic regression, she came alive with some incredible details, one of which was as a young woman by the name of Rose Duncan. She was in Somerset back in 1765, I think she was born, and died in 1780-odd. She was only 17 or 18 when she died. But she went back to this life, and she was living near Glastonbury. And... Uh, she gave incredible details about where she lived, and she even talked about, we, we know the Glastonbury Abbey now. Well, she referred to it as St. Michael's Abbey. And when they found out later on and they checked, they found out that Glastonbury Abbey is actually built on the site of what was known as St. Michael's Abbey. Now, nobody knew that, not even a, a researcher at Bristol University they talked to, historical researcher knew that but it was there in the records. She then, they, they went across with a film crew then to with Gwen and a few other people that, that Peter had done some regressions with to prove all of these things. And they took her back to Glastonbury and in post-hypnotic regression, she, uh, uh, she then was able to take them to the place that she lived in at that stage as Rose Duncan. She described how she worked for uh, Lord Salisbury, I think it was, who was the, the Lord of the Manor at that stage, and all sorts of various other things. But then apparently one day she went out and twisted her ankle or something, and this, this guy took her back, an, an elderly man took her back to his little house and, and bandaged her up and whatever, whatever. She was able to describe that house. This is back in the 1980s, you know, and about a particular tile that was there on the floor with certain markings. Now, when... They went up there with the film crew. And, you know, film crews are like, we love them, but they are pretty sceptical at the best of times. You know, you really got to prove things to a film crew. And they were sort of thinking, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> they were thinking, all right, yeah, well, you know, go ahead, lady, prove it. So they, they went back in there. She described the house. They went in there and they looked at the shape. Yes, that was supposed to be a door. And it was a window today. And then they looked up and there was a lintel across the top. So it was a door originally and they'd changed that. Anyway, they, they finally found this house where this guy had treated her. And the tiles on the floor, it was, it was that stage, a pretty small place in those days in the 18th century, of course. Um, it was now a chicken shed and, of course, full of chicken droppings. So they had to clean all the, the chicken droppings out. And then underneath they found these tiles exactly as she had described in her hypnotic regression back in Australia the year before, including the Mason's marking, the description, the colour, everything. And they were just absolutely dumbfounded, the whole lot of them. And she'd also described the fact that on the way, she was able to take them from Glastonbury, the tour at Glastonbury, through the fields, hadn't been there in this lifetime before, never left Australia. And they proved that. Never left Australia, but she was able to go from Glastonbury Tor right down to this house, following a river, and she talked about three stepping stones, but the stepping stones weren't there. But she was able to unerringly take them to the, where she was born, where she lived, which was called Rose Cottage, 
And then she went to this house where the tiles were. And the stepping stones weren't there. Now, Peter went out as the director of the film, went out and spoke to a local. And he said, oh, yes. He had a Somerset accent. So he talked like this, I reckon. He said, oh, yeah, them stepping stones. Yeah, they, they was there and they, they got removed during the war. <laughs> so there was the whole completion. Stepping stones, nobody remembered except the very oldest people in the community, the tile, the house, everything. So In Search of Lives Past just had such a profound impact on me and just proved to me about past life, so much so it inspired the third part of my Afterlife trilogy, which is called Past Lives Unveiled, and that was only come out about, came out about um, two years ago. And I worked with Peter, and another little story about Peter. Um, Peter was treating um, Judy just as she was having a really bad time just before she passed. And he was coming in and giving us some counselling because he was coming onto my radio program and we were doing it at home. And uh, he would he would see Judy, and she actually collapsed one Friday night, went into hospital, and the next day she passed. Now Peter on the she passed on very early on a Sunday morning, and Peter on the Saturday night had a dream which he told me about uh, afterwards, which he said. He dreamed that she was in this bed right next to a window and at one at this stage, two angels came in through the window. Judy's spirit left the body, went up to join them and they all turned into three doves and they flew away. That was his dream. And quite an amazing thing because he had no way. She was in a long ward and it could have been any one of the a bed in that ward, but she was in the bed right next to the window. You know, I've, I've seen that documentary. I've seen that movie on British television many, many years ago. And I remember that scene where they were sweeping away, you know, all the chicken oh, all the, all the crap, and saying, yes. oh, it can't be here. But then there it was. There and it was. there were several other really amazing oh. instances in that documentary. Very much. Well, in the book, they're all there. And, and that was just, Gwen was just one of them. Gwen had some amazing experiences, but that's for another day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So book number four um, book number by four. your friend and mine, um, A Manual for Developing Humans by PMH Atwater. Yeah. I, I worked with PMH on, I, I compared or emceed the afterlife conferences here from 2015 through till about 2019, 2020 or something. And um, PMH came out to one in Melbourne. And we got to be really good friends. And uh, my partner, Anne, and I um, uh, looked after PMH. We sat with had dinner and all sorts of things. So we've continued that relationship. And, and PMH has been a, a guest on my radio program, Radio Out There, quite a few times. And <clears throat> so many people have said, oh, there's no instruction book for life. And maybe that's the case. Then... In 2017, this came out, a manual for developing humans. And to me, Sandy, that is the instruction, the book of life. It just answers so many questions. It took her many years to write this, and it, it's just amazing. It's so inspirational. So if you want to know some of the, the key things about life, you want to know what's going on, and explain things. This is it. The answers are in there. It is packed full. Have you read the book? 
Um, I've got it. I have not read it. I've read several of her books, but I yeah. haven't read that one. Oh, look, please, when you get time. And you, you don't have to read it like a novel, you know, page one right through. Mm. You can just read a chapter here and there and, and because they're self-contained. And I just flipped open once again, uh, getting ready to have a chat with you. And one of them here was Economics Investment Service. And she says, and this is part of the life. I mean, she's covering not only the spiritual, but she covers the, the uh, material as well. And she's talking about the economy. And she says, a repeating economic cycle in the United States consists of four turnings of about 20 years each. With the fourth comes crisis. First timing, 46 to 64, confident expansion, leadership, new world order. Second turning, 64 to 84, awakening, spiritual exploration, rebellion, alternatives. The third turning, 84 to 2005, unraveling, growing malaise, incompetence, and deepening divisions. Fourth turning, 2005 to 2025, crisis, depression, climate of chaos, economic disasters. Now, if that doesn't sort of pick up on exactly what is happening right now, then when you go one back from the first turning I mentioned there from 46 to 64, the 20-year period before that was the end of the fourth turning. So what did we have then? We had the Depression. We had the lead-up to the Second War. We had the rise of fascism, all of these things. So she's able to look at cycles like this which amazing just answers questions she's not playing fortune teller or anything like that she's just stating the way it is and and as you know um, history repeats itself we can't we cannot ignore the lessons of history we do so at our own peril yeah. so that's it i mean I, I couldn't tell you a lot about this because there's just so much in it i, I could do well, I, I did an interview with her on my own radio program and radio out there, and there was an hour just talking, and we only covered probably, you know, yeah. another quarter of the book. <laughs> I, will, I will read it. I mean, my favourite of the books that I have read of hers is Future Memory, which oh, I yes. think is just amazing. Yes. And she tells me that people read that book every year and mm. they get something different every time. And yeah. I likened it to a labyrinth. And it is, reading it is like walking the labyrinth because, you know, the ahas that you get from it. <laughs> yeah. But she's like that. She's an amazing woman. Yeah, she is. And seeing Alive and working with Alive uh, was, was brilliant. And you can see how that mind goes and the books evolve. And once again, she had a, a profound influence on on my development at that stage because I was sort of halfway through writing i was just publishing my sequel to afterlife which is called no goodbyes and i was developing all sorts of things i just recovered from um at that stage just recovered from having cancer and was sort of getting back in terms with life again so pmh sort of had a, a very profound impact on a vulnerable time in my own life so once again very influential mm. so book number five you'll see it when you believe it by dr wayne dyer <laughs> I don't need to say anything except the title. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I had the same reaction when I read the book. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I first read it, once again, you know, the title says everything. It really says everything. And I, I interviewed Wayne back in 1998, I think it was, uh, 1999. And uh, amazing man, lovely man. 
uh, we only did it by telephone, but uh, he was in America at the time and I was in Australia. Uh, but uh, it was one of the, the lovely interviews that I remember so well. But um, as I said, the title says everything. I don't need to say any more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so now we move on to Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh, which doesn't come up <clears throat> as often as one might think it would um, in yeah. guests, 10 bests. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think this is a personal thing, though, isn't it? I mean, if you're writing about it or... or uh, proposing that a certain book has an influence in your life and you look at your library, things will jump out at you. And this was one of them. I, I mean, I've got the whole collection. Uh, I, just, I just pulled book one off the shelf and uh, once again had had a little look at that. And um, I interviewed um, uh, Neil when he was in Australia too and a uh, very, very interesting man. Um, and his definitions, I mean, people think of God once again as this old man with a long white beard sitting in a throne, uh, and he dispelled that, totally dispelled that. And I had confirmation of that in my own contacts with, with, um, with a group in the afterlife that I've been working with for quite some time in my books. And they said exactly the same thing, that God is not an old man sitting on the... I mean, that, that's the Greek god Zeus. Um, we, we don't have to go down that. That's just purely an, an image. But God is just pure energy, and that's basically it and quite often just referred to as the universe. Yeah. And God is the universe, the multiverses, really. So that's, that's basically it. So in his conversations with God, uh, well, I don't need to go back over them because there's just so many of them. But I thought, well, if, if he could do it, and he inspired me on this one, I actually asked him, do you reckon I could do it? He said, well, I'll give it a go. So I did. And uh, in, when was it, two? 2008, I went over to Brazil to the John of God Casa in Brazil, uh, a healing area there, and um, I went to some amazing experiences there, and they singled me out and made me a, a son of the Casa while I was there, which was a nice honour, and I had all sorts of spiritual help and amazing things, and I got these two whacking great crystals about, about that big each, and uh, <clears throat> from um, John of God's own personal mind that he has there, uh, and when I was able, when I came back to Australia, he told me to to sit there in meditation and raise your vibrations, and I did. As soon as I, I started to do that, all sorts of uh, incredible things opened up for me. And when I came back to Australia, I then decided, well, I'm going to have a go at this, what, um, contacting God that I'd spoken to um, uh, Neil about. So I sat down meditated with these two crystals as a male and a female uh, crystal and just sat there, raised my vibrations, opened myself and started to communicate. Well, yeah, I got some amazing messages. And when I look at Neil's um, book again and my own experiences, am I actually speaking to the universe? Am I speaking to uh, an ascended master, a guide, a master guide, uh, which is basically... A spokesperson for the um, for for the universe, a god, and give him permission. I don't know. Does it really matter? But I certainly got some amazing little um, quotes, uh, and and I turned one of them into a book. Actually, um, the road to perfection is full of potholes. That really appealed to me. So I titled my first book that, sent it in the publishers, 
And uh, they said, no, we don't want to publish that, but we will talk to you about the chapter on life after death. So uh, do you, they said, do you want to write a book about that? So I said, oh, all right. You know what it's like with publishers? You, <laughs> I, I jumped at the opportunity, in other words. <laughs> so that's how Afterlife evolved. And um, But I've still got the past lives. Uh, the past lives. I've still got um, the road to perfection there. And I'm looking at doing a rewrite on it, actually. So it's, it's still there. So once again, that was a, another uh, step along the way. Mm. So number seven is Hidden Truth, Forbidden Knowledge by Dr. Stephen Greer. And isn't he having his moment right now? <laughs> yeah, well, this came out uh, the, pretty early in the piece, what, about seven or eight years ago, maybe longer. And um, Stephen Greer, a doctor, he was a, a well-known surgeon and gave all this up to contact and use his whole background in, in UFOs and contacting aliens and all sorts of things. I was, by this stage, well uh, enmeshed in doing radio out there. So I managed to be able to get an interview with him, which is not easy. Um, I had to actually go through his wife to get it. <laughs> but I got her uh, contact, so she put me onto him and he agreed to do it. So I managed to get a really nice interview with him. And I always believed that was uh, – he answered so many questions for me because that's another area that I'm really interested in, which I go into in my radio program, Radio Out There. And occasionally I'll have all sorts of uh, guests on. And I've had a regular guest from Canada for quite some time, actually. And uh, – uh, and Stephen was, um, I guess, the the crown and the or the jewel in the crown to be able to get uh, to be able to get his uh, his input on the program. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Do you think we're very far away from admission? <laughs> well, let's put it this way. I think it's got to be not so much even admission. It's whether or not those people who are here as beings, those entities, whatever, whatever, are wanting to communicate. And right now, if you were coming from another world, another dimension, whatever, would you want to contact people on the earth right now? Yeah. That's the question I'm asking. Yeah. Maybe they're just sort of sitting back and saying, whoa, okay, guys, sort yourselves out, yeah. and then, then we'll, we'll go on to yeah. the next question. Okay. But right now... I think if they if they came in there and suddenly landed on the steps of the White House or in Forbidden City in Beijing or wherever, you know, there would be I don't know. I, you'd have, just have to sort of imagine what it would be like, but I don't think it'd be the right time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, book eight is Quantum Consciousness by Peter Smith. Yeah. Now, this is the this next stage on from Michael Newton. And in about 2015, I think it was, I wanted to, con yeah, 2014, 2015, I wanted to contact uh, Michael Newton. I thought, oh, I've got to do an interview with him. So I, I contacted, sent emails out, did everything. And I finally got an email back from this guy called Peter Smith, <clears throat> who was, um, pardon me, <clears throat> I'll just take a, a mouthful of water. And... Peter Smith came back to me and said, oh, look, Michael, in an email, Michael is not doing interviews now. He's reached that stage where he just doesn't want to do anything. I'm the international president of the Newton Institute, and um, 
uh, I'm happy to talk to you or whatever. It turns out that uh, he lived in Melbourne, even though, of course, uh, Michael Newton is in the United States. So uh, I said, oh, well, okay, fair enough. So I did an interview with, with Pete. And then I influenced Duncan to put him as a guest speaker on one of the Nexus conferences, in which I'd spoken about my, in my own books. Pete and I met up. We actually shared a, a stall together. And since then, we have discovered a friendship, I believe, that goes back many, many lifetimes. And he's helped me tremendously. He's been a tremendous influence in my life. And he was running the Michael Newton Institute workout here of um, life between lives and whatever. He moved away from that and, and moved into quantum consciousness. And uh, from then on, I've done a couple of interviews with, with Pete on my, uh, on my radio program. And he's really focusing on that now. And just before all the, the COVID stuff came up, he was speaking at conferences in America and doing all sorts of things like that and wrote this book, which was published by Llewellyn's actually, um, called Quantum Consciousness, Expanding Your Personal Universe. Now, it's interesting, Sandy, you've probably seen this. There's been a lot about consciousness in the last couple of years. And so many scientists stand up there and say, no, 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 consciousness uh, is all in the brain. It's all in the mind. It's, that's what it is. But now slowly, slowly, people, scientists, all sorts of people now are finally coming to the realisation that consciousness, that we are consciousness, our soul is our consciousness, if you want to put it in very simple terms. And there are more and more people accepting this now. And I've worked in the last few years uh, emceeing conferences uh, called Cosmic Consciousness Conferences. And um, the whole area of consciousness, uh, here in Australia anyway, has certainly taken off. And I think it, it is the same for you in Britain. Oh, I think so, yes, absolutely. I mean, and also I'm seeing so many books coming out where people are talking about consciousness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So much work being done. Yeah, well, when you start to then, Peter took this to the next level and delved into quantum consciousness. Now, <laughs> I'll be quite honest with you here. I've done several interviews with Pete and I just have to sort of try and ask intelligent questions because it's pretty deep. And when we start getting into the quantum area, so if I can just quote you off the back of the book here that says um, consciousness um, we're a window to dynamic and unfolding universal journey. Simply put, we're a human portal waiting to be released into the fabric of the cosmos itself. So when we go into the whole area of the uh, quantum consciousness, we're talking about parallel lives. We're talking about uh, lives in other dimensions, all sorts of things like that. And, and this is where it gets really deep. So once again, that has changed. And I think... I wanted to include that book because Peter has, has had such a huge influence on me. He's regressed me several times, which I talk about in my book, uh, Past Lives Unveiled, and uh, he's taken me back. And one of the lives he took me back to a past life was one out of body in another time, dimension, universe. I'm not quite sure, but it's another aspect of myself where um, I, I describe, and I went into the, all this detail, quite amazing. When I read it back afterwards, when I, when I listened to the tape back afterwards, I was in a very deep hypnotic state. I listened back and I said, oh, did I really say all of that? <laughs> so I, I put that very much 
in in context in my book. But that to me was an example of what quantum consciousness consciousness is. And as Pete says, <clears throat> we have many different lives on many different worlds. All this nonsense about thinking, you know, the Earth is the center of the universe. I mean, how arrogant to think that our world here would be the center of a universe. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> so once again, Peter has had a, a huge impact on me, and that was why I wanted to include his book in the in the top ten here, because it's that whole area has opened up something for me too when I had my own experience of moving into uh, a parallel life, a parallel universe, um, another dimension. I just don't want to put a label on it. Yeah, I mean, it's the the amount of research and the amount of information that's also coming through now um, mm. about consciousness. It's it's going into realms where we in our physical form, you know, with our left hemisphere that wants to make sense of everything, we can't make sense <laughs> of it. We can't. No, of course it's we can't. It's impossible, yeah. No, mm. no, of course yeah. we can't. But do we need to? Do we need? I think there are certain things at some stage we need to accept. Yeah. And, and if we can accept even basic things like we're not a body with a soul, we're actually energy, indestructible energy, a soul using a spirit as a vehicle, attaching itself to a human body to have a human experience. Once you can accept that as a very basic tenet of life itself, then you can go on. But you don't need to sort of have to uh, delve into the whole thing beyond reading my books, of course, um, to be able to... Uh, to accept that, and I think that that's just one of many principles in life that we can accept, providing intuitively that we can uh, feel that we're just the right thing. And yeah, sure, question things very much so, but there are certain things you think, yeah, that really does make sense. And I, I don't know whether I can explain it. And if I really want to, I can go and do some research. But yeah, in the meantime, that does make sense to me. Yeah, at the end of the day, the understanding, you know, is not yeah. important. It's the resonance that tells you more. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, that's Pete's book, Quantum Consciousness, uh, which is, uh, if people want to get hold of it, it's available um, through Llewellyn. In, uh, okay, Llewellyn I'm going to make a note of that one. That's one I'd like to have a look at. Pete so, will be a wonderful guest for you on your program. He's very, very good. Great speaker. Lovely, lovely guy. I'll add him to the list I'm going to send you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair okay, so number nine is Conversations with G, a physician's yeah. encounter with heaven, Dr. Norman Sheely. Dr. Norm Sheely. What a delightful man. Absolutely delightful. Um, for those people who might think, yeah, I know that name. Norm Sheely was the, the doctor who works or used to work with um, Carolyn Mace. She was a medical intuitive, and she would then send them off to Norm. Norm started off life as a, a neurosurgeon, and um, then he's sort of advanced, educated himself, opened up spiritually, and now he runs, in his late 80s, he runs this wellness center in Missouri, and it's, it's, he's just an amazing man. I found out about him when I was researching for my book, um, Past Lives Unveiled, and I did some research and found out that Norm had had a, pub, uh, had a previous life where he was a doctor in Great Britain 
in the latter part of the 19th century, around the time of Charles Dickens. In fact, he knew Charles Dickens. And he, I won't go into it because it's a long story, but I've given the whole details in my book. Uh, and he proved beyond doubt that he was a doctor called Dr. John Elliotson um, in, in Britain in the, in the late 19th century. And, and Dr. John Elliotson introduced the stethoscope into Britain, by the way, from France and various other things like this. He also used to use um, a lot of, um, not hypnotherapy, what's the, mesmerism, and also uh, various drugs. Now, in this lifetime, Norm has realized that he came back again to be a doctor so he could move on and complete the work he started off as John Elliotson uh, back in the 19th century. And so many correlations between Norm in this lifetime and Elliotson in the last lifetime, it's, it's just, I mean, it's not coincidence. It's just one piece of synchronicity after another. And, and he identified this and it helped him in his transformation as well to open up from being a strict mainstream medicine uh, neurosurgeon to be able to go in there and open up totally into spiritual areas. Just some amazing things. So I contacted and I got Norm's permission to actually use the story of of uh, John Elliotson in my book and we connected he sent me his book and I've got it here it's called conversations Woo. keep forgetting where the camera is uh, conversations with G by Norm Shearley once again that is a, a great book and what have I marked here because I, there are so many things I, I wanted to pick up but oh yes he's, he he connected uh, and opened up to his, his guide which he just calls G G for guide, and G has has changed his life. Now, how many neurosurgeons do you know that allow guides to come in and influence their lives? Uh, I can't think of any others. Can you? <laughs> so there we are. So, but he he did so many different forms of of things with this with this, and G proving himself to to Norm did things like. And look, I've got to read you this little bit here. Just absolutely lovely here. Um, where is it? Oh, yes. In November 94, when I went to put a tape into my recorder, the tape vanished before my eyes. I went downstairs to get another tape, and as I was about to put the new tape into the recorder, the original one dropped onto the floor in front of me. I asked G if he could make the building disappear, to which he replied, yes, but it would have caused too much of a stir. <laughs> So all of these things, this guide, who's obviously a very advanced guide, was doing to demonstrate to Norm that he was actually a guide and he was helping him. And it just goes on and on. That's just one of the little stories in there. But the whole thing, he does have conversations with the other side and just emerges. And, oh, the other one that I had a quote here too. Uh, in fact, I've, I've made a note of this um, uh, about astrology. And he, he does talk about the... For, for those who are astrologers, that each of the houses in astrology has an appropriate association with an aspect of the human body and human condition. So there's, there's so many other things, so many other things there, Sandy, in that book. Uh, as I said, I, I gave you 10 books, but not in any necessarily in any order. And, um, and that was just one I really wanted to put in there. Yeah. I, I did an interview with Norm oh, a couple of years ago now, Delightful man, absolutely delightful. I've heard that about him, yeah. Mm. Mm. So your last book, 
<laughs> it's a work of fiction, The Three yes. Musketeers. What's yes. that doing there? Well, when I was a kid, my father had a leather-bound uh, library of all Alexandre Dumas' books. And when I got into my teens, I started to read them. And, of course, what was the first one I read? The Three Musketeers. And uh, then I read The Count of Monte Cristo and Some Son of Porthos and all sorts of other books that are there. And I've, got, I've still got the leather-bound editions there sitting in my library. I would never get rid of them. They were my father's and I sort of inherited them. Um, what it did for me was to introduce me to historical fiction. Now, I've always been a bit of a history buff. I've loved I, I, uh, At school, I majored in ancient and modern history. And I even toyed at one stage um, doing a university course in archaeology and becoming an archaeologist. But life took over and I, I moved in another direction because they, I couldn't get to the lectures to, uh, to uh, be able to, to get the degree while I was working on radio. Um, so I figured the university didn't want me to be an archaeologist in this lifetime. But having this love of history... It's been exacerbated by reading books and starting off with The Three Musketeers. I love historical fiction. So much of it is based on actual events. And if you can read between the lines with some authors, it's there. They're using actual events. And, okay, yes, they're changing and putting a few characters in, and but there's a lot to be learned there. And I just love – I mean, you can't read nonfiction books all the time. And uh, I like to be able to go to bed late at night with a, with a good book of fiction and finish the day on that where I can disappear off somewhere. And historical fiction is, is one of my very favourites. Do you know, occasionally I like historical fiction too and, you know, non-fiction. Um, but I've read a few books over the years that, that obviously are relating to things yeah. that happened historically. Yeah. And the amount of detail there... You yeah. have to. You find yourself thinking, ah, "There's some channeling going on there. It's not just <laughs> yes, somebody's imagination. Right. They're channeling right. information. Yeah. You know that they yeah. knew that the, perhaps they lived that life. Exactly, exactly. And I, I have had a, a couple of past life regressions myself, and have gone back into very interesting historical times, times that I had studied like uh, ancient Greece and, and Rome and whatever, and gone back into those, even though I thought I was going to go back and, and discover my life in ancient Egypt. I didn't go there at all. I went into other areas uh, that I, I had studied at school uh, back in about the 18th century. I think I was at school. <laughs> it feels like that these days. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so historical fiction, historical, anything historical, I just, just love it. I, I look at programs on documentaries and everything like that. On We've got a channel called SBS Television, Special Broadcasting Services, and they run all of the documentaries, the ancient Egypt, um, yeah. Pompeii, the whole lot, and they're all made in Britain. Uh, so I, I watch them religiously. I love them. Yes, that's what I do quite a bit too. I've just been watching um, some of the latest research on the Maya um, and uh, Chichen Itza. Um, I mean, fascinating stuff. Um, especially now when you see they've got the technology and they have these big, you know, landscapes in front of them taken mm. from the air and it's just, you know, nothing but mm. vegetation. And then they can strip away the vegetation can, yes. and yeah. show you what's underneath. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. I was reading the other day that um, they discovered recently that Chichen, uh, not Chichen, um, 
Um, I've just had a brain fade here. The one in South America. <laughs> the one. Um, yeah. Oh, Can't think. Oh, and that it was uh, Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Total brain fade. I couldn't get to Machu Picchu because they had a strike on the trains when I was in, in uh, Peru. But the research shows now that it wasn't a city. It was actually a country resort for the, for the king at that particular time. So uh, that, that was a discovery that was only made very recently. I thought, oh, that was interesting. Mm. Little things like that just keep turning up, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. Mm. And this is where technology is doing a wonderful thing. Yep. Yeah. So at this point, we normally ask people what they're reading now. Now, I know that you're probably reading a lot of books because you do a lot of shows, but what are you yeah. reading now that is really really grabbing you oh i'll grab this one here because this person is going to be a guest my next guest on radio out there i've just finished reading the book and doing an interview with her uh, her name is kimberly meredith and it's called awakening to the fifth dimension now mm -hmm. that is only in fact it's not even coming out uh it was supposed to come out uh in september the end of september but um, it's now been delayed. So I've done an interesting interview with her and she's talking about um, the fifth dimension and how, where we can go and, and open up and, and some of the answers to things that are going on uh, around us at the present stage. So that's, that's a very interesting one, discovering the soul's path to healing. And she has turned from being a, into a medical intuitive and, and a healer and she's doing some amazing work based in Los Angeles, and um, she's, she's doing some incredible work there. But she's opened up and doing spiritual healing, and she does long-distance healing and everything like that. So I've, I've got her to promise me that if I have a horrible problem, she'll reach out from Los Angeles and heal me. <laughs> it's good to have friends like that, isn't it? <laughs> well, she said, I don't do the healing, but she's, she's just the messenger. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's, that's just one of them that I'm reading. I've got bunches of them just sitting out through the doors over there, no, over there, uh, just behind me. Uh, there's a pile of them when to start to, uh, I've only just finished reading Awakening to the Fifth Dimension. So the next one, I start tomorrow. Okay, so tell us about the book that you're working on yourself. You've mentioned that you, you are working mm. on another book. Can you talk about yeah, it? No, don't oh. want to at the moment. Okay. All Sorry right. about that. Now, it's just that um, several things have emerged. Uh, it is part of the story of, of spiritual, it's about spiritual awakening and various things like that. But um, there's, there's a lot sort of there, and I'm, I'm just a bit sort of at that stage at the moment where I'm not ready to talk about it. <laughs> Sorry okay. about that. That's all right. When you are, come on the show, the radio okay. show, and uh, you can tell us all about it then. All right. So, you know, we said it at the beginning that sometimes when you hear your bio being read, you makes you realise some of the things that you've done that you've just taken in your stride and forgotten about. When you look back over your life and the turns that it's taken, um, what do you think? You know, I mean, you started off wanting to be probably one thing and ended up having this incredible um, career and it's taken you into areas that you could never have conceived. Yeah, all right, I'll confess, all right? Only between you and me, Sandy, all right? Okay, Don't no one else. I won't tell anyone else. Okay. 
Uh, my book is my memoirs. Ah, okay. <laughs> there you go. I think you that one out there, and you were <laughs> putting me into a corner, weren't you? <laughs> wow. How psychic am I? <laughs> it, it is, I mean, it is a fascinating thing, isn't it, life, that, you know, we think we're going down one path and suddenly a book falls off a shelf and now we take a right turn somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've been persuaded to do it. And, and it's amazing when you start looking back on your own life and the things that happen and all of a sudden something will happen and it'll be that click, you know, a little bell will go off and, oh, yeah, I remember that, forgotten about it, years and years and years and years, and then there it is. So I think we've got so much lurking away at the back of our mind, our subconscious and whatever, that, yes, it is good, and it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I may, may or may not even find a publisher who's even vaguely interested in publishing it, but if not, I'll just do a self-publication and just do it for my own family. And And it's good, and it can be cathartic, it can be just something there for for those loved ones, the near and dear, to be able to have to look back after you disappear back to the afterlife and say, oh, is that what the old bugger was doing? Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> so, Of all the things that you've done, um, yeah. what are you most proud of? What, what is it that gives you the most pleasure, the most fun, the most reward? That's like saying what's your favourite film. <laughs> uh, Oh. You clearly love doing the interviews. You've been doing them a long yeah. time. Yeah, I have. And, and I guess meeting people like that and interviewing and communicating, that, but that, that's, a, that's a, a whole um, generic thing, I suppose, that uh, it covers many, many different areas. I mean, I, over the course of my life, I've interviewed probably thousands of people and I just love doing it. Love doing it. And, and in recent years, I've had to learn how to be interviewed, which is a totally different thing, as you know. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so I guess communicating and, and meeting people, whether it be over the telephone or sometimes on, on TV or whatever, um, that is probably one of the things. And to be able to share that with an audience and not always knowing how many people are out there and not even worrying. And then when you get a nice bit of feedback somewhere along the line, that people are saying, you know, how much they got out of that. That and 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 writing writing a book. I'd always wanted to write a book. That was something that once I was able to write my first book, which um, turned out to be um, unexpectedly a bestseller, and is still. I mean, I got the royalty check yesterday. Still selling really well all around the world, which is. So I think people are interested in the afterlife, and to be able to do that, because I got a, a strong message from spirit that. I was one of many people around the planet who were selected to help spread the word about the afterlife, to take the fear out of so-called death. And so that was a wonderful, wonderful feeling, not only to, um, to write and have a book published, but also to know, and I've had so much good feedback about that. So that's, that is probably you know, the most personally satisfying one thing that I've done is to be able to go from being a person on radio, TV, I've done a few appearances in films and stage shows and things as well. But to do that has been an enormous satisfaction in life. Mm. So you regard your books as your legacy? I never thought of it like that, but I suppose so. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't think about legacies. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, Barry, before we close, can you tell viewers where they can find out more about you and your books and your radio show? Well, if they go onto my radio website, that's the best way because my biog is there and a little bit about each of my books. Um, it's Radio Out There, uh, three words but all joined together, Radio Out There, all squeezed together, dot com, quite simple. If you forget that, just Google Barry Eaton, E-A-T-O-N, and uh, it will come up with radio out there. On there, there's my biog, and there's also details about the books. I've written three books on my own, and I wrote another one with my partner, Anne, um, who you know well, of course, too, Sandy. And um, and it, it's just wonderful. And, and there's a little blurb about each one of them on the website there, so if you want to find out more about that. Um, and the conferences, I mean, you do, you, you know, host and um, MC some great conferences. At the moment, we're reading in the world news that, you know, Australia mm. really is very tightly locked. Um, do, when do you think that you might be organising the next conference or hosting? I was about to say God only knows, but it's, it's unfortunately, it's the politicians are the only ones that know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw a yeah. meme the other day that a doctor said when he was asked, when do you think the, the pandemic is going to be over? He said, don't ask me. He said, I'm just a doctor. You've got to ask a politician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's, a that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Yeah, it's a shame they're so far away because they always look so inviting, so well worth attending. Yeah, no, they are. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. The last I've done Afterlife and... Um, also, the uh, the cosmic consciousness one. I also did one another one a couple of years ago. The sec the secret life of Australia, um, which was a wonderful story about our indigenous past and and how our uh, First Nation people weren't the bunch of savages that the, uh, the the Britons thought they were when they came out here and colonised Australia back at the end of the eighteenth century. That they had an organised civilization. Yeah, they didn't have cities, but they did have uh, organized culture they had organized agriculture so that was a fascinating conference to do that but when the next one is gee i wish i knew mm. but i'm open <laughs> ready to compare ready to MC it whenever, whenever i also speak at the conferences by the way so not only MC but also yeah. speak given my own talks yeah well barry eaton thank you it's been a real pleasure as always and we're really grateful to you for adding your 10 best spiritual books to the no bs spiritual book club's library of recommendations well thank you sandy it's been an honor and i, I know that you know you've done some tremendous work on this because we spoke about this before you even started it and i thought what a great idea so to be here as your guest uh knowing the success you've been having and, and the people you've had and the people you're going to get Thank you for inviting me. I've, I've loved every minute of it. Oh, I love every single one. They're, they're the most <laughs> fun I've ever done when it comes to interviews, really. Yeah. They're yeah. just so rewarding, wonderful. Yeah. So thank you, Barry. And, um, yeah, this is going to be out as a podcast as well on all the big all of the big um, podcast platforms. And so it'll get seen and heard far and wide. Lovely. Thank, thank you, you so Barry. And thank you at home for joining us. You can see previous videos in this series on our YouTube channel, as well as on the video page at the nobsspiritualbookclub.com, where you can also sign up for our newsletter 
and be the first to know who's coming up next. And you can download all of these um, interviews as podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, Amazon, Audible, and uh, probably all of the others. That brings us to the end of this week's show. I hope you'll join me again at the same time next week for another episode of the No BS Spiritual Book Club's face-to-face with video series. Till then, it's goodbye from me.